There ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, meet me, Jesus, meet me Meet me in the middle of the air And if these wings don't fail me I will meet you anywhere Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 through 34. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of you, them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for he has testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ, Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, all, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam we all die, so in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says everything, has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who has put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, 
so that God may be all in all. Now if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we, we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Jesus Christ our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Hey, what's up, South Point? My name's Kenny. I want to welcome everybody here today. Those of you that are joining us online, we're glad you're with us too. We get into the gospel today. We're going to have some fun today. Raise your hand real quick if you've written a letter in the last year. No, long Facebooks don't count. Long text messages don't count. An email does not count. All these hands are going down now. I mean an actual letter. Three. Kind of a lost art, isn't it? Which is sad because, I mean, I mean, letters are nice. They're nice to receive, especially when they're encouraging, right? And I'm going to talk about a uh, letter from a collection company. <laughs> I'm talking about a letter between two people, right? I remember when Chris first started coming to South Point. She'd been here for about a year. And, you know, she's serving in a ministry. She started leading a ministry. And Brett wrote her this really nice handwritten letter, signed his name to it. She still got that letter. It meant a lot to her. She ain't got none of the letters I gave her, but she got that one from Brett, boy, I tell you. <laughs> it's your first time here. I want to welcome you. Glad you guys are here. Letters, letters mean something to us, right? We, we, it's, it's an honor for us to have you here, but we believe that letters are an important way to show value. Show, it helps show that we care. So we actually try to write a letter, a handwritten letter to all of our first-time guests. Remember when Chris and I first started dating, man, we used to write a lot of letters back and forth. and She ain't got any of them left, but she's got that one of Brett framed and in the living room. No, she doesn't. She threw it away a long time ago. I'm just messing. So let's go back to high school for a minute. What are some of the things that all, the, all letters have in common, right? They all had that greeting, right? They all got the middle stuff, the meat, and then they got the end. And oftentimes, my, my letters are, are kind of the same. The beginning might be the same. The end might be the same. It might be even a little comical. The middle part is where we give all the information about what, what we've been doing, what we're trying to get across to you, what we want to share with you, right? And then there's the end, and that's, that's when letters just get a little weird. I mean, what do you write at the end of a letter, right? How do you end a letter? I mean, probably your last thoughts, right? The things that you've forgotten about, maybe, maybe the little stuff. Typically, this is a place to, to even write or rewrite the things that you thought were the most important, right? I've said all this stuff in the middle. I've told you about all this stuff, and this is the last moment I have. I have your attention, right? So this is what's most important to me right now. And at the end of our letter, to, end of the letter to our parents, to our, to our children, to our friends and family, what do you say? I mean, you've covered everything. You've put all of your stuff in writing. You've, you've, you've given them all the details. What's the one thing that you want to repeat? What's the one, you know, I, I've got your attention now. I want to condense everything I've said down to these. These are my final thoughts, right? And that's where we find ourselves right now in this letter that Paul wrote to the, the town of Corinth. He had this greeting that was pretty affectionate. It was, it, it was personal. And there was a whole lot of stuff in the middle. We went through all of that. He talked about all the kind of things that they've been struggling with, and he's trying to help them out. Now we're at the end. And what do you write at the end of everything? You write your final thoughts, right? A condensed version of what you think is most important, and that's why we call this series Final Things. You don't want to miss the next few weeks. We've got questions about what happens after death, if there's an afterlife. 
Did Jesus really rise from the dead? And if he did, what, what exactly does that mean? What will our bodies be like in heaven? How do we, how do we live our lives in view of eternity? That's just some of the stuff that, that Paul was talking about. And he starts out with a reminder here of what, what's most important. He's like, listen, I've written all this stuff and I've given you all this meat and I'll tell you all the things that, that, I, that I wanted to bring your attention. But now that I got your attention, I want to tell you what the most important thing is so that you don't miss it. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I've preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. He's reminding them, and he's also reminding us, for that matter, of the gospel that he preached, right? The gospel that they received, the very gospel that we make our stand on, the very gospel that, that we have that makes us Christians, that makes us Christ followers. By this gospel, we are saved if we hold firm to it. But what, what's the gospel? He said, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. I'm reminding you now. I'm telling you that this is the most important thing in this whole letter. It's like screaming. With, it's, like, it's like typing caps, right? That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. Now, this is just another name for Peter, right? And then to the 12, he's talking about the apostles. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. And I want to hold on right there. Listen, if you can be born, live a life, and die, and over 500 people are willing to say, listen, I saw him again. I'm all in. That's enough for me right there. But he goes on, he says, most of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. This is the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news, right? So technically any good news is the gospel. Hey, you aced the test. Hey, you got the job. Those are all good news, right? But Paul is reminding them, and he's clarifying what the gospel is because a lot of people are trying to twist it, and they're trying to convert it, and they're trying to pervert it. Jesus is the one who died on the cross. So why didn't Paul just use his name? Why didn't Paul say, hey, Jesus is the one that died on the cross? Because Jesus isn't merely human which is what a lot of people want to try to make this out to be, right? They want to make him out to be nothing more than human. He's a great guy, right? He's got some great teachings, and maybe we should follow him, but he's not divine, not really from God. He's just human, but as soon as you make him just human, you turn him into either a lunatic or a liar. And if he's a lunatic or a liar, he's not worth following and he's not worth listening to. And that's why Paul said the Christ, right? The Christ is the one that God had been telling people about from the very beginning. The one that's going to come and he's going to save us from our sins. The whole entire Old Testament points to the Christ when he comes. Why? So that everybody recognizes him, but unfortunately, most didn't. See, the Christ was killed on the cross on a Friday. He was buried in another man's tomb. And then on the third day, on a Sunday, he rised from the dead. But check this out, it doesn't stop there. The good news isn't that Jesus is God and he was raised from the dead just like scripture prophesied. The gospel is that he proved it to us. See, he appeared to Peter physically so he could see him and he could touch him. And then the rest of the apostles and then over to, to over 500 people. And you have to realize, he says that most of these people are alive, right? You could go ask him. You could go check and see if he was lying. He wrote this letter right then. People are still around. 
It's just like saying, listen, if you don't believe me, go ask him. Go ask her. Go ask her. They were there. They saw it. That's a bold claim because all you had to do to verify was go ask. See, the gospel is not just a fairy tale. This is an actual historical event. And it's real, and he proved that it's real. And some want to make the gospel into nothing more than like a nice fictional tale like Harry Potter or Star Wars. Yeah, it's a great story, got some great principles, got some great lessons. But they make it out to be just a story. And that's what some people today and some people in Paul's day were trying to convert this into. And I don't know, maybe there's some people in here, maybe you yourself struggle with this too. You struggle with creation, you struggle with the flood, you struggle with the ten plagues, you struggle with all the miracles from Jesus. Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. And then you lump the resurrection in with this too, with other, these other impossible miracles, right? And then you begin to question, and all of a sudden you place the gospel in the same category as all these others. And your mind tells you that may, hey, maybe these things are some good stories. Maybe they're good lessons, but maybe they're not 100% true. And the next thing you know, the gospel is not the gospel any longer. It's no longer the good news because it's not real. But I want you to notice that Paul didn't lump creation. He didn't lump Jonah. He didn't didn't lump the, the ten plagues or any of the other miracles in with the gospel. See, Paul didn't say that it's important to remember all these other things. He says there's one thing. It's the most important thing. That's one thing you have to remember. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. And I'm not saying that God didn't create the universe, and I'm not saying Jonah didn't get swallowed by a big fish. And I'm not saying the miracles of Jesus in the New Testament aren't true, because it's all true. What I'm saying is the most important thing is the resurrection. And that you need to separate everything else from that from the very beginning. The one question that you need to ask yourself, the one thing that you need to be 100% sure of is, is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, and did he actually live, die, and raise from the dead? If you struggle with that resurrection part, guess what? You're not alone. There's a lot of people that do. The most important question is not whether or not you struggle with that. It's what are you doing with that struggle? Are you investigating it? Are you searching for it? Or have you already made a decision without looking at it, without searching for it, without investigating it? So we're going to give you some good resources to help with that. The first one is a book called The Case for Christ. The Case for Christ is a book written by Lee Strobel, who was an actual investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune. This is a story of how he went from an atheist who was trying to disprove the resurrection to a sold-out believer in Jesus Christ. And this story has been made into a movie, and you can get the book wherever they sell books, or you can get the movie on Netflix or Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play, all the other places. But there's another one called Cold Case Christianity. And it was written by J. Warner Wallace, who was a homicide detective that specialized in cold cases. And again, you got an atheist who's trying to disprove the resurrection using the best of 21st century investigative skills to examine the evidence and discover the truth on cases in the past with little or no forensic evidence. And you can get the book or you can get a study. They made a video on Right Now Media. We're going to show you how to go to it. You can get this in your group. We offer free subscriptions through our website. If you aren't sure what you believe on the resurrection, don't do nothing. Do something. Prove your case, whether you're for it or against it. Prove it. 
Get into a small group. Get one of these books. Get both these books. Study these books in your small groups. Find me after the service. I love this stuff. See, your answer to that question changes everything. And it brings us to our big idea. The resurrection is real, so live like it. See, this is where the Corinthians were struggling, right? So Paul reminds them, this is our foundation. This is not a slogan. This is truth. So live like it. And it's obvious that people were confused and they're twisting the gospel because Paul says, listen, how can you preach that Jesus was resurrected from the dead if you don't believe in resurrection? If there's no resurrection, then Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. He's not the Christ. But I want you to think about it. It also means that Paul and all the apostles are flat-out liars. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then Peter's a liar, James is a liar, Paul's a liar, all 12 of the apostles are a liar, and over 500 people who were out there at that time telling people that they saw are all liars. And if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then there's no resurrection. And Jesus isn't the Christ, and you're still dead in your sins, and I'm still dead in mine. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. I love magic tricks, illusion, card tricks, stuff like that. And even though in my mind I know it's not magic, I still look and try to figure it out. But you know one of the most used techniques for that is distraction, right? Look over here, little kid, why steal your french fries? That's the best trick I got. <laughs> Works with everybody under five. It gets you watching and focusing on something over here, and then a trick happens over here. sleight of hand, right? And this is exactly what so many people were doing back then, and it's what they're still doing now. And so many of us are falling for it. Hey, look over here. Yeah, Jesus was real, but he wasn't resurrected. Jesus was great. He might have even been the greatest. He might have been the greatest moral teacher of all time. See, that's all sleight of hand. Because if he wasn't raised from the dead, he isn't the greatest. Unless you're talking about the greatest fraud of all times. But if there's no miracles, then the resurrection didn't happen, which means we of all people should be pitied. Because we are fools to believe in something, to change our lives based on something that didn't even happen. Paul said this was important. It was the most important. So we need to pay attention and not get suckered into the sleight of hand that's going on in today's culture, today's politicians, the media, cultural pace centers, social media, any other religion or church that preaches anything other than the gospel that Paul had outlined. Because I'm here to tell you, as soon as you believe that there is no resurrection, you have absolutely nothing. At that point, we are all fools, and it's embarrassing to know that we can gather here together to worship, study, and follow an imposter. And that's why this is of the highest importance. Christianity, the gospel, doesn't begin with creation. It doesn't begin with whether or not the Bible was the inspired word of God. It begins with the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. If that's real, then it changes absolutely everything. But if it isn't, then the Bible should be thrown away and discarded. Christianity should be avoided at all costs. And we are all wasting our time. But what's really cool is that Paul gets this. I want you to listen to his plea. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. It's true. Which means that we will all die. And at that point, we should be eternally separated from God because of our sins. But here's the beauty of it. We can all be made alive and be with God eternally through Christ. And Paul even goes a step forward and he proves it with the life he lives. He proves how much he believes it. When Paul says wild beasts, he's more than likely talking about how he was thrown in with some beasts who were intended to kill him. Why would Paul continue to be persecuted every single day if this was a lie? Why would he allow, allow his life to be threatened every single day if all of this was a lie? What is he gaining by lying? Listen, I've told a lot of lies in my life, and I ain't never told a lie to get into trouble. You lie to get out of trouble, right? You lie to win something, to gain something. You don't lie so you can get beaten up. I mean, if this ain't real, then guess what? I could be eating, drinking, and tomorrow I die and all's good. There's no purpose to life. There's no eternal life. It would be a whole lot easier to not even believe in this, to just live my life, get mine, and then die, wouldn't it? But I can't because they physically saw the resurrected Christ. And then Paul comes out and he drops one of the most important and powerful principles of all times. He says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there is some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Students in the room, parents in the rooms, moms, dads, everybody in the room, pay attention to this. Your future, in large part, will be determined by the people that you choose to be with. We can all say that we can have friends that don't believe the same things that we do, and that we're not affected by it. But is that factual? Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, we like it. But it's not accurate. That doesn't mean that we can't associate with non-believers. We are called to go and make disciples of all nations. We're called to go into the world. We are called to spend time with non-believers with the very intention of sharing the good news and sharing the gospel with them. But we are not called to be friends of this world. We are called to be lights of this world. We are called to be guides of this world. We are called to be directional signage of this world, not friends. Listen, I'm going to give you a hard truth here. If you are spending time with people who are affecting your trust in Jesus Christ, if they are distracting you from Jesus, doing a sleight of hand thing to get you to pay attention to your relationship status, to get you to pay attention to your bank account, to get you to pay attention to your career, your kids, or your image, more than Jesus Christ, you are being corrupted. Paul says, come back to your senses. I say this to your shame. That's the same thing as saying, you know what, I can't believe i got to tell you this again. You know better. It brings us back to our big idea. The resurrection is real, so live like it. Stop sinning and living like the resurrection is not real. Because if the resurrection is real, it means three things. Number one, Jesus is who he says he is. His words can be trusted. Number three, this world is not the end. Man, Jesus can mess up a funeral, can't he? This world is not the end. 
Yes, we're all going to die one day. And to the rest of the world, that is a scary end. But if the resurrection is real, this isn't the end, and we are going to live forever. And when you realize that you're in your lifetime, even if you live to be 100 years old, your lifetime is like a micro dot on a tape measure from here to Jupiter. Are you living like this world is the end? Are you storing up your treasures in this life or the next? Are you living like this life here is the most important? Do you really believe that, that by dying earlier in this life, you're missing out on something? Do you really think the greatest thing for your kids is to grow old in this life with you in it? Do you somehow believe that God would be cheating you if you didn't live to be 80 years old? See, one millimeter in my life is the most important part, right? Maybe I can say my 20s were the best or my 30s were the most important part or my 40s. Man, Jesus changes all that. Don't live for today. Live for eternity. Do you believe that? See, I'm here to tell you, man, when you die, you're either going to go be with Jesus in heaven or you're going to spend eternally separated from him in hell. Either, either way, we're going to live there for eternity. Parents, what are, you, what are you preparing your kids for? Are you preparing them for college? Are you preparing them for a career? Are you preparing them for eternity? Adults, what are you working for? Are you working for retirement? Are you working to store up as much stuff and experience as you can? Or for eternity? Man, it's a game changer. And next week, we're going to talk about what happens to our bodies when we die. And I can't wait because I hate this body. <laughs> I can't wait to get a new one. But it sounds pretty interesting, doesn't it? So make sure you come back and make sure you bring some friends with you. But for today, Paul's final words, our death is not final. Don't be scared. Don't give up on your foundation or better yet, maybe this is the first time in your life that you have an opportunity to grab a hold of this solid foundation that you can stand on in good times and in bad. Of course, man, in this life we're going to have trouble. Of course, we're going to have pain. We're going to have hunger. Because sin exists in this world, and it also means we're going to have death. But get this, death was the last enemy that Christ defeated, so now we get to live together and there's forever, and there's no fear of death. Are you living like all these things are true? I mean, if Jesus is who he says he is, do you believe his words? Do you even know what his words say? Do you know what his words were? Or do you know them and you choose not to obey them? Are you giving everybody you know great secular advice, but you're not telling them about Jesus? Do your kids and your family and, your, and, and the people you work with, do they know anything about Jesus because of you? Are you worried more about your career and worried more about activities than you are about Jesus? What are you standing on? What are you standing for? What is your life built on? Paul says the only thing that we can stand on is a resurrection. And if that's real, then it changes everything. So ask yourself, 
What am I standing on? Father God, thank you so much for loving us and thank you for Jesus and thank you for allowing him to leave paradise, to come down here and live a life like he did so that he can die for our sins. And we know that we don't deserve that. But you didn't just do that. You took it a step further and had over 500 people say, yeah, we saw him. You proved it. And that is so humbling. And we are so grateful for it. Father God, there are people in here today that are struggling with the resurrection part. There are people in here today that are struggling with whether or not to go all in. And we welcome you here right now. And we ask you to allow your Holy Spirit to fill this place like it never has before. Allow your Holy Spirit to touch any life that hasn't been given over to you yet. Allow them to grab a hold of the solid foundation that will change their life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm here to tell you the most important thing you can do in this life is decide if Jesus is the Christ. And here is your chance to take a step in the right direction. During this song, there's going to be people that come forward. They're going to be standing up here, and they do it every single week, and they're here because they love you. And they're here to help you make that decision. They're here in case you need prayer, and they're here in case you're ready to get baptized. And it's okay to be scared. And it's okay to question. Because I'll tell you right now, when I did it, I was scared too. But what's more important? Fear or eternity? Do not let fear stop you. Because I'm here to tell you, man, Downriver is, is waiting. And they are in desperate need of people who are truly willing to seek the truth. And if you are one of those people, then put your fear aside, push it aside, focus on Jesus and take some steps forward today.